We understand this morning that you want us to experience your love. That's what we get from that, Heavenly Father. We want to come to the conclusion that you love us more than anything. And that's what you're trying to get into our lives with, is your love. Yes, you're a God of justice. Yes, you're a God of correction. But first and foremost, you're a God of love. That's what you want to give. So, Lord, this morning as we step into this word, I pray that that's the conclusion that we come to. That we serve a God who is so unbelievably mad about us, not mad at us. That it causes us to live a life that is a, that's, that's worthy of the calling that's been put on us. So Lord, we love you, we thank you, we need you this morning. I pray for the Spirit to be here. And for us to experience your love this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for that. Well, good morning, church. Hope everybody's doing alright. Um, so I'm a little bit, got a little bit of a, a little bit of a head cold going on here. Um, so if middle of the message, pull out the Kleenex, don't mind me as I wipe my face. <laughs> Beck and I do, um, snow removal. And so as you know, on Tuesday it snowed and it snowed some more. And then after that it snowed. So it was great. We're out for way too long. And so a little bit sick from that. So sound like I'm talking through a pillow, but hey, as long as you can hear me, Preach the word, we're all right. Amen? Amen. So, last Sunday we had Christmas Family Sunday. And it was amazing. Uh, we had some testimonies, people getting up and saying some things. And it was it was a, a perfect time to honor the family and honor what Christ was doing in some families. Um, and I'll tell you what, first and second service, there was not a dry eye in the service because of what the Lord wanted to do through some people. Um, but because of that, we took a step back from Haggai, um, and we were able to you know, have our Christmas family Sunday. And, and this Sunday, we're going to jump back into Haggai. Now, we're almost through. We're almost done with this thing. We're going to be going through verses 15 through 19 in chapter 2 of Haggai. Now, it's been a great road up until now, <laughs> kind of seeing what the Lord is doing through Haggai, speaking to his people, number one, about changing their heart changing their perspective so that they can see through the lens of Christ in everything. That is the character, that is the heart of God in this entire book. He's trying to get his people to see him the way that they're supposed to see him. So this morning, you see the title of this message, it's The Conclusion. As we read through verses 15 through 19, I'm going to just read them so that we can just see face value what the Lord's saying. Um, and then I'm going to do a little bit of an intro, kind of explain some stuff. Then we're going to jump back into the scripture and hit two cross references that I'll give you. One of them is Exodus 3.14, which is on your bulletin. But the other one that's not is 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 7. We're going to look at that too. So uh, be prepared to to turn over to that. But I hope everybody's doing all right. Christmas is around the corner, literally. What is it on Friday, oh my goodness, 
I have zero presents bought. And Beck was talking about, hey, his wife, his new wife business for him has allowed him to do that. Hey, I'm, I'm open to that. I don't have one yet, but she might help you, help me with my Christmas shopping down the road and other things in my life, you know. But with all of that being said, the Christmas season, the, the stuff that we're going through in our individual lives, I'm going to get it. I'm going to read this here real quick, but I just want to make a note that what what conclusion do you come to? Now, that's a very broad statement. It really is. But we're going to take that statement and we're going to apply it to this scripture because there's three conclusions that we come to in these. Um, I think it's five verses. If I do my math right. And I want to ask you guys the question this morning. What do you come to a conclusion in when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ? What do you land on? What do you land on? I'm just going to ask you that question. I'm going to read these, get a little intro, and then we'll come back to it. So if you can turn your Bible to Haggai 2, and I'm going to read from the screen because it's the NASB, and I like that a little bit better than NIV here, but this says... You track, uh, track along with me, but now do consider from this day onward before one stone was placed on another in the temple of the Lord from that time when one came to a grain heap of 20 measures, there would only be 10. And when one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there would be only 20. Verse 17, I smote you in every work of your hands with blasting wind and mildew and hail, yet you did not come back to me, declares the Lord. Do consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day when the temple of the Lord was founded, consider, is the seed still in the barn? Even including the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree, it has not borne fruit, yet from this day on, I will bless you. A lot of interesting stuff in there. Now, if you haven't been here for a little while, Haggai is basically a minor prophet book. And the Lord speaks through Haggai to his people who he brought out of exile, basically the Israelites. Okay. Now, in this time when they when they came out of, of exile, their job was to rebuild the temple. Now, in the rebuilding of the temple, the Lord speaks through Haggai to his people to help them through that process. And there's so much in just these two chapters um, that we can see the Lord, how do I say this, pursuing his people in order to speak to them correctly. Now we get to a place where he's, he stirred them up. He said, I will be with you. He's shaking them. He gets to a place where he says, take courage. Um, don't draw back from your building. So this, they're in, they're in the process of building and then he, he launches into this verse 15. And this is, this is where this title comes in, this conclusion. Because he says, and can I get verse 15 back up there? He says, do consider. Verse 15 through 17, he's, he's saying something about these people's past. Alright? Now, we live in a day and age, let me, let me, let me hit this before we kind of jump into that. Pause for a second. <laughs> We live in a day and age where information is like at your fingertips, a.k.a. whip out your phone, Google something. You can find information like that. So 
information is something to be sought after. And we have this mentality in this generation, my generation, that knowledge is power. I just need to gain information and gain information because if I have information and I have knowledge, then that makes me powerful in some way. Okay, that could be true. But here's the thing. If we are gaining information for information's sake and we don't ever land on a conclusion, if we don't ever park somewhere, then that's all it is. It's just this stuff up here that we can in es- well, essentially word vomit all over people. Look at all this information that I have, but I don't ever land on anything. The same thing happens in the church. We can know so much scripture We can attend so many Bible studies. We can go to church every Sunday and do all this stuff, have our kids involved in things. But if we don't land on a conclusion, number one, about who Christ is in our life, then it's it's just whatever. Honestly, it is that. Now, the reason I make that distinction between stuff that goes on outside of the church and in the church is because that conclusion is about to be drawn in these scriptures. Now, This is kind of, I wouldn't say it's off topic, but I watched this TV show, and I can't believe I'm about to say this. I watched this TV show called Ancient Aliens. It's interesting, but completely just like, what are you talking about? And that's what keeps me interested in it, because it's it's funny. The people who they get on this, this TV show, they're like, their hair's all over the place, and they're, you know, talking about crazy stuff, but... There's a phrase that they use in this show all the time. Now I'm, you know, sitting in my room watching the show and they are saying that this, this is how the earth was created. And I'm like audibly shouting at the TV. I'm like, no, it's Jesus. You guys are stupid, right? So I have a conversation with my TV most of the time. But they use this phrase that kind of helps me explain what I'm saying. They'll say a whole bunch of stuff and then they'll say, as ancient astronaut theorists suggest. So the entire show is a massive suggestion. The entire show is just them asking questions and never answering the question. So they bring you in with this question and 30 minutes goes by and the show's over and you're like, um, we didn't come to a conclusion. That I felt like I wanted to say, but that's how, that's how the earth, the earth, the world operates sometimes. We want to throw so much information at something that we never actually reach a conclusion. Now we're, we're getting to the end of Haggai. And this isn't, there's, there's more verses, 20 through 24, I think. And you'll get a chance to hear Beck preach that next Sunday, which Beck can bring it. So you better buckle up. But, so this isn't the end. I'm not saying this is the conclusion because it's the end of the book, but he's bringing all of this that he's brought, he, he's brought his people through some stuff, and at the end of it, he wants them to know something. And that's what we're going to look at today. So the first conclusion is in verses 15, 16, and 17. And let's read that. But before I read that, let me make this statement. Everything you are currently going through is so somewhere along the road you can arrive at a conclusion. Everything that you are going through in each one of you guys' lives as I look at you right now is specific so that you can land on a conclusion about who God is in your life. So let me, let me get back to verse 15 here. 
It says, but now do consider from this day onward. So it's kind of like saying today, here's what I want you to think about in this moment right now. Before one stone was placed on another in the temple of the Lord from that time. So he's saying right now, what I want you to consider is before you started building. What was your life like? That time when one came to a grain heap of 20 measures, there would only be 10. So there was lack. There was not enough. And when one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there would only be 20. Now, what we could do is we could jump back into Haggai 1. I think it's in the first five or six verses where he basically says, you are spending your time building your house and not mine. And then he just says, how's that working out for you? You got, he, he goes on to explain the evidence of that. There's holes in your pockets. There's never enough. You're working and working and working, but for whatever reason, you just don't have enough to make ends meet or to be happy or to be satisfied. And that is as a result of them putting more time into their stuff than Christ's stuff. All he's saying here in these, these verses, uh, is seven, can we go to 17? I smote you in every work of your hands and blasting wind, mildew and hail, and yet you did not come back to me, declares the Lord. All he's saying is take, take that time and I just want you to look at it and look at the evidence behind that and draw a conclusion from it. Now the reason why I want to emphasize drawing a conclusion is because in between Let's say this from verses 16, 15, 16 and 17. Anywhere in there, do you see the Lord say you were so bad for what you did back then? You don't see that. So here, here's here's a my, like a small conclusion we can draw in there um, that is connected to the big part of, hey, how did that work out for you? How was your life working out for you when you were not doing what God asked you to do? What I like about these verses is that he never said, what I want you to do is go back and emotionally attach yourself to the, the crap in your past. He says, look at your past, but I want you to look at what I tell you to look at. Because when that happens, you're not going to go beat yourself up for what you did. All I want you to do is just look at the evidence, draw a conclusion. So I want to encourage you guys this morning. When you look at your past, only look at it, how would I say it, subjectively like... Yeah, the things that I was participating in did not bring life to my life. But what I will not do is let my past define who I am and begin to, how do I say this, let let that beat me up on a continual basis. That's just something that we pulled out of there that I want to encourage you guys with this morning. He's saying, yeah, go look at your past, but only look at it to draw a conclusion. Don't emotionally attach yourself to it, to that behavior. Cut that off, please. Take a step forward. Amen? So we got that conclusion to kind of set right here. That's one of three, all right? And then he says, do consider. So, all right, consider something else now. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day when the temple of the Lord was founded. So he's basically saying, all right, you looked at what you were doing before you were building. 
Now I want you to look at what your life is like and what you're doing and how things are, are happening for you after your heart changed, you began to fear God, I stirred you up and told you that I will never leave you and needed you to take courage because I was about to shake the nations and when I shake the nations, it's for the purpose of the of that which can be shaken will be shaken. But that which cannot, that which cannot be shaken will not be shaken, which is the kingdom of heaven. I took you through all of, consider all of that stuff after you had the heart change. Right? So we got two different conclusions that he's trying to get us to come to. The first one was before we started building. The second one was after. Now go to verse 19. It it says, do consider. And then it launches into this talking about figs, pomegranates, the seed. It's kind of like, that doesn't make any sense. Is the seed still in the barn? Even including the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree, it has not borne fruit. Yet from this day on, I will bless you. Okay, kind of how I was talking about with verses 15, 16, and 17. The Lord spent no time asking you to beat yourself up for what you did in your past. Okay, it's the same in between verses 18, excuse me, and 19. He uses this vine, this fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree as as an example of If I'm asking you to consider everything that has happened in your life after you had the heart change, after you were building, let's translate that to us this morning. What have you spent your time building, okay, that the Lord asked you to build? What have you spent your time in that the Lord asked you to step into? It's a good thing. I'm not saying this is bad stuff. All right. But he's saying there's things, there's seeds that you've planted, and, and the purpose of planting a seed, you got, you guys got to catch this one, is so that you can use the fruit from that plant. Especially these ones that are in here. The, all of these, they bear fruit. So when I plant something, the object, the end result is to bear fruit. So let me translate that back to the building. The Lord has changed their heart to a place where now they're building this temple, which is not even close to what it was before. But the glory of the temple is specific to Jesus Christ and not what the temple looks like, all right? So they're in this building. It's the work of their hands, and guess what? They don't necessarily see the fruit from it yet. They don't see visually in the natural, here's the fruit of my labor. The fruit of their labor looks lesser than this previous temple. So it's kind of like, you know, how do I, how do I translate that to my life? I get up earlier, I go to sleep later, I put more weight on the bench press and try to press it as many times as I can. Like, uh, Beck and I, like I said, we were out shoveling snow at three in the morning. No one should be up at three in the morning when the snow is horizontal, okay? And it's windier than anything. But, you know, you're just trying to make an extra dollar so you can put gas in your, in your truck. That's why I was doing it, honestly. Um, But you do all of these things. You plant all of these seeds. And sometimes, in the natural, it doesn't look like you're about to bear harvest. 
It doesn't. You put so much time in. You fall flat on your face doing all of this. And he's saying, okay, even in the time when you did change your heart, you put this time in. Are you bearing anything? Are you bearing any fruit? Now, the reason why I skipped over the first part of verse 19 is because the last part of verse 19 speaks to the first part of verse 19. Um, and I'm going to explain that here in a little bit. But but here's what the Lord is saying. Here's the final conclusion that God is asking us to come to. Verse 15, 16, and 17. Look at your life. How was it working out for you when you weren't connected or doing what God asked you to do? Second conclusion is look at your life and what's going on in your life when you're close to the Lord. When you're stepping in, not only just stepping in, but running with him, walking like sprinting, all of that. Look, take take all of that into, into consideration. And then I want you to come to a final conclusion. And that's what the end of verse 19 is. See, what I love about the Lord is that through this entire book, everything that he has brought his people through, he says this. <laughs> and we read it. Yet from this day on, I'm the one. Who will bless you? It is me who who will cause things to bear fruit. It is me who has allowed you to build the way that you're building. Don't look at it naturally. Because supernaturally, I'm the one who's going to make it move. I'm the one who's going to make everything work out for the good of those who love me. See, I opened up this whole thing talking about this, this generation of, of information. And knowledge, knowledge is power. I just got to gain all of this knowledge. Well, it's more so about the application of that knowledge. Okay, but what knowledge are you applying is the next step. Are you applying the word? Are you applying all this stuff that you just got up here? Well, one of the things that I like to do when I study is to let the word kind of interpret the word. So I will break it down, try to memorize it. And then look at cross-references and go here and there. And then I'll put it out in front of our staff on Tuesday mornings and get a different perspective on what's going on, what they see in the verses. That helps me out because, I mean, I'm only one person. I cannot do this on my own. So put it out in front of these people. They they give me a little bit of, of a different perspective on stuff. But one of the last things that I like to do is look at commentaries. Commentaries just are... They're not scripture, okay? And they're not the end-all, be-all interpretation of the word. A commentary is just another man's opinion on the word if you break it down to its barest form. But again, it's another perspective, another way to think about it. So I'm studying this, and I get to verse 19, and it says, is the seed still in the barn? There's a question mark there, right? Upon studying that, there's three or four commentaries that I look at. Well, guess what? There's three or four different interpretations of that part of scripture. So I'm like, okay, what the, what the heck does this mean? It's a question that's in the word that I think has a lot of validity to it. And it needs to be answered and we need to give light to it. But the end of verse 19 is what gave me perspective on the first part of verse 19. One of the commentaries says, yes, the seed is still in the barn. And it was pointing towards 
people who had not yet stepped in and started running and taking that seed and going and planting it. It spoke to that. One of the other commentaries said that, no, it's not in the barn. It has been planted, but it's it, it, you're not bearing fruit from it yet. So there's just like massive confusion. Is it in the barn or is it not? When I look at the end of verse 19 and it says, yet from this day forward, I will bless you. You know what conclusion I came to? It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's all Christ's. Whether the seed is in the barn or it's not in the barn or it's on the truck or the whatever in the cart, (laughs) it doesn't matter. He's the one who is going to make this thing go. At the end of the day, he's the one who's going to bless me. So me trying to answer that question now, see, I think that there's more to it. And I just haven't studied it deep enough to figure out what that means yet. And I will be 100% honest with you. With that, I'm not going to sit up here and try to make something up just because it's in the scripture. I'm going to bring the truth to you, but I'm going to tell you right now, I don't fully understand that question yet. But what I do know is when I get to the end of that verse and I take the whole counsel of the word, it gives me perspective on, yes, there's an answer, but even if, but even in that answer, guess who it is? It's Jesus Christ. And that is all I need to know. Now, the cross reference for, for this is Exodus 3.14. If you want to turn over there, please do, because this helps me understand who the I is in this verse. Okay? We get that up there maybe. I'm gonna turn to it right here. Yeah. Smacks me in the face every time. See if we're talking about this word conclusion, and I asked you at the beginning of this message to Come to a conclusion about who Christ is in your life. This is God speaking to Moses when Moses says to the Lord, you're you're asking me to go tell Pharaoh some things. Who am I going to tell him that I am sent in the name of? And the Lord responds right away with this saying, look, God says to Moses, I am who I am. I am that I am. And he said, thus, you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am. Has sent you. So when I plug that back into Haggai. And I look at my life. And coming to a conclusion about some things that. I wasn't really walking with the Lord in. But then I flip over to the places where I was walking with the Lord in. We take both of those. And underneath all of it he's saying look. Have you come to a conclusion that I am God. No matter what. Because I guarantee this. And I'll be vulnerable with you guys this morning. There's some areas where I know. Know is the answer. I have not let him be God in that area of my life. So I'm asking you this morning. Have you asked that question? And then have you come to a conclusion? Have you answered it? Because I can ask it all day long. And it, it seems admirable to ask the question. Or to be self. Have a self diagnosis. I can diagnose the problem. Sweet. All right. But do you answer the question and then do you move past it to an answer? You guys trucking with me this morning? Yeah. The Lord is asking his people that to, to see and understand 
come to the conclusion that there's the before, there's the after, but underneath all of it is me. Can we ask ourselves the same question this morning? If you ask yourself that question, please answer the question. But just like in verse 16, 17, and 18, if you answer the question and it's a resounding no, don't beat yourself up. Because he didn't ask you to go do that. He didn't ask you to go look at your past and say, look at how crappy I was. Let me just sit down and pick through all this stuff and let it stink up my soul and get into my heart. And all of a sudden I walk around with a chip on my shoulder because I was so bad back then, back then, back then. If the conclusion doesn't do one of two things, both things, let me say that. (laughs) If it doesn't A... No, 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 let me, let me, let me backtrack. Let me say this. If what you believe in and what you allow yourself to think on a daily basis, say that again. If what you believe in and what you allow yourself to think on a daily basis doesn't A, bring you to a conclusion, something that you can land on and rest in, and that conclusion pointing towards the truth, the truth, and get rid of it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that simple. If what you allow yourself to think doesn't let you land on the truth of who Christ is and who Christ says you are and who Christ says he is in you on a daily basis, then get rid of it. You don't need to pay any attention to it. I hope that's encouraging to you this morning. Is anybody in here? Hallelujah. Come on now. I love it that it's that simple. Now, there was another cross reference that I wanted you guys to to look at this morning. And it helps bring light to verse 19 a little bit more. It's 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 7. Oh yeah, we got that up there. Good. Didn't have that one last, last service, but we got that here. Everybody good? Everybody all right? You know, okay. It says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able. For you are still fleshly, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men? A, excuse me, walking like mere men. Okay, so I'm going to pause right there and give you the context of this um, cross-reference. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthians, and he's basically saying to them that, look, let me break this, let me put this in church terms, church terms, I don't like saying that, terms that we can understand real quick. What I'm about to read next is basically he's speaking to the church and some people in the church really, really like the way Johnny Square preaches. So they've become Johnnyites. Right? Other people in the church have really liked the way I preach, so they're like sounding like me, looking like me. I don't know why you would want to do that. But anyway, they become Alexites. Maybe, you know, the few times that Rick gets up here and preaches or the one-on-ones that you have with Rick, you start acting like Rick, talking like him, so they kind of side with him. If you can see, it's all in the church, and it's all good stuff, but people are 
creating division in the church because they're trying to be like somebody, like a person. And Paul is speaking to that. So then he says, for when one says, I am of Paul and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? We go to verse five. What then is Apollos? I love this. And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I'm going to read this in this NIV um, because it, it gives a good, uses good words in here that I like. Um, three. He says, Oh my goodness. I guess it says the same thing. I'm sorry. Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Paulus, are you not mere men? And the, the point right there is that, look guys, we are just, we're nothing. We are nothing compared to who Christ is. My only job is to communicate the word to you. That's it. It's to plant a seed. Okay, now the next part of this, I love it. It says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. Nothing. So let's plug that back into verse 19. Who cares where the seed's at? It really doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter what has happened in your life back then. We can look at those things and draw from those things. And I think but what you've been through is important. I'm not saying chuck that off the table. I think what's more important is the things that the Lord has brought you through after the heart change. But even at that, he's the one who causes you to step forward. He's the one who causes you to grow. He's the one who causes all of it to happen. Yet from, um, yet, let me go back to this verse right quick. And then verse 7, so neither he who plants or he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. That's what I want you guys to catch about that. And that, that, that just gives me more perspective on that verse 19. I'm sorry, I got you going all over the place back there. <laughs> um, but can we put, can we put verse 19 back up there again? That last little bit. Yet from this day on, I will bless you. And so, ladies and gentlemen, today, I hope that we can answer the question. What's the conclusion? Because a couple weeks ago when I preached about the Prince of Peace, peace is not a state of mind or, hey, I want to give you this peaceful room, area, atmosphere. It's not that. Peace is a person because it's the Prince of Peace. That's what it says in the Word. So when he says, I want to give you peace, he wants to give you himself. The conclusion is a person. It's not this mindset that you've allowed yourself to arrive at. If I give the conclusion a form and a face, a body, then it changes my entire perspective. I want to come to the conclusion about the conclusion. I want to rest in the fact that the conclusion is Jesus Christ (laughs) in my entire life. And there are some things that I need to get right on. That on a daily basis, I don't necessarily make him the conclusion. My personal life, if the enemy can get at my confidence, then it starts to snowball. 
he just says one little thing and then it's like turns into this big thing and all of a sudden I'm questioning myself as a leader and it's like Lord's like stop pull back a little bit I didn't say that to you now if my conclusion was that he is the I am in my life I wouldn't go there as often I'm human okay and I need to be able to be a good steward of what I think all right sometimes we allow our, our, our minds to go somewhere but what do we do after that do we stay there or do we conclude that we serve a God that wants to love us so much and love us into knowing who the I am is? See, that's the other part of this. This is not a keep away from this, stay away from that. That isn't it. That isn't that. He is so fervently wanting to show you this morning how much he loves you. And how much he wants you to not step into that, but to run in it. Full speed, sprinting, and if you fall flat on your face, he's going to pick you right back up. And like a father does to his kids, brushes them off and says, keep going. That's what he wants to do with you this morning. Are you guys trucking with me on that? So let us land on something. He's trying to get his people to land on something. The work of your hands, great, but it's still me. In the good and the bad, doesn't matter. It's still me. Can you answer that question this morning? Is it still him? Those of you who are on the worship team, if you were never able to play the piano one more time, or sing or play the drums, is he enough? I don't know what it is in your life that you guys love, Maybe I need to spend more time with you so I can say, hey, but for you, woodworking, if you could never pick up another hammer, would he be enough? It's a good question to ask. Go out of here asking that, but go out of here answering it. And if the answer is no, let him love you to the yes. Amen? Good. So what I want to do this morning... Uh, let's get this offering, call the worship team back up here. I know it's only only noon right now, but we're going to...